In speech, there is techniques that are taught that will help communicate the communicator to be able to get across the message. And one is that of a dramatic pause. And our trio put into that a dramatic pause to better communicate the message. I appreciate how they worked that in and got everybody's attention before heading to that last verse. Very well done. See, we, we, we are very educated around here and we, we do a lot more than what you realize and I appreciate the work of our uh, musicians and we have quite a number and I am th thankful for that. I really thought it was because they were getting bothered because I was singing my own part sitting over there. I looked up because I was afraid Miss Chris was going to backhand me or, or kick me. And, uh, and so I just was, I found I could do her part too. I was over there humming it quite well. Well, if you came in, did, did you get the uh, putting on the armor of Christ devotional guide tonight? Were, were those handed out or laid out? They're laid out. They're in the back. So you got one Wednesday night for the for marriage strongholds, and this is the new one. This will follow five days, and this will go with tonight's. Ephesians chapter 5, if you have that, turn there with me. And, um, and then just another update and, and tidbit concerning the situation there in Fargo, North Dakota with Luigi. Uh, Brother Youssef just mentioned that the pastor that's there, Pastor Wilson, who's helping out Luigi, was... His son was Yusuf's best friend in college, and Yusuf has actually been there. And, uh, and so all the way there, you see the connection. Isn't God good? Yeah. And um, so why, why worry and pout and complain and, and spit and murmur and, and, and get grumpy and dumpy and everything else when God's good and he's alive? And whoo. Hmm. And also, when, when you can trust God, you don't have to manipulate, lie, be deceitful, be uh, manipulative. And it's good just to be able to trust God and watch God work. Ephesians chapter number 5, you got it? All right, let's stand together, please, as we look tonight and continuing our journey and finding freedom and liberty, not just out of the book of Galatians, but in getting deliverance in the matter of spiritual warfare. Notice in verse number uh, let's pick up our reading in verse number 16, verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody, melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks, how often? For how many things? Unto God and the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. This evening I want to preach to you on how to have victory over chemical strongholds, how to have victory over chemical strongholds. Thank you. Please be seated. We're going to follow the same pattern for each one of these um, significant strongholds. And, and while I understand that you may not be guilty of any of these that we're covering, you at least need to be aware that there is still the pattern that is true to each of them. And we're going to look at the stronghold itself and then we're going to look at God's viewpoint 
and then God's solution in these strongholds. We define the stronghold as something that can be defined as a pattern of unrighteousness that holds you hostage outside of the will of God. A stronghold can be defined as a pattern of unrighteousness that holds you hostage outside the will of God. Like me, you probably have come into contact and remember those who are older, the, the uh, cartoon, the story, the comic strip, Popeye. How many remember Popeye growing up? How many you still record Popeye today? Would you raise your hand? All right. Remember, Popeye was constantly being brutalized by some overgrown bully, um, Brutus, Bluto, and, 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 and they would just really disturb the life of Popeye. And every time it looked as if Popeye couldn't last another minute longer, he reached for a can of spinach. And after popping open the can and downing its contents, a new Popeye emerged strong and victorious. How many ate spinach just because of Popeye? Raise your hand. That was my first motivation to eat spinach. And, um, but I had to use vinegar and hot sauce on it, and, and I don't think Popeye did. Today, unfortunately, many have developed a Popeye syndrome. When circumstances or the people around us bring us pain and anguish, causing us to feel beaten down, burdened, lonely, or stressed, too often we reach for a can. We reach for a quick fix to provide relief to a long-term problem. See, unlike Popeye and his spinach, though, it could be a bottle of Jack, a cigarette, a pill, or some other chemical infused into our body during a time of need that doesn't provide, however, the strength or the victory that we're desperately in need of. Rather than defeating whatever difficulty we face, it often just masks or it compounds the problem in reality. That's why we need victory over chemical strongholds. A journalist by the name of Hunter Thompson, longtime contributor to the Rolling Stone magazine and author of Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, committed suicide in 2005 at the age of 67. His addiction to drugs and alcohol and his abusive actions toward others were really no secret. After his death, his first wife, Sandy Conklin Thompson, wrote, quote, He was, on the one hand, extremely loving and tender, brilliant and exciting, generous and kind. On the other end of the spectrum, he was extremely cruel. She said, I will never forget something Hunter once said to me. In one of his tender moments, I asked him if he knew when he was about to become the monster. He said, Sandy, it's like this. I sense it first, and before I have completely turned around, he is there. He is me. End of quote. We mentioned a stronghold. A stronghold is something that is a pattern of unrighteousness that holds you hostage outside of the will of God. 
But tonight we're looking at a chemical stronghold. A chemical stronghold can be defined as a dependency on chemicals to address, to escape, to cope with, or find relief from the struggles and stresses of life. You see it on the screen. It's a dependency on chemicals. This could be prescribed, over-the-counter, illegal substance. It's a dependency on chemicals to address, escape, cope with, or find relief from the struggles and stresses of life. See, people with chemical strongholds often, they expose themselves easily. You say, how can you tell? Well, they say things like this. I just need a drink to unwind. Or I just need a smoke to reduce the stress. I, I suppose working in restaurants is extremely stressful. Because every time I pull up to a restaurant, they're all smoking out in the back when you go around the back. I hope they get the stress out of them so I can get the food uh, cooked right. But it's a lot of stress that causes people to uh, rely upon these strongholds, either to mask or compound their problem. Or they may say something like this, I'm ugly, I'm moody, until I get my first cup of coffee. I heard more moans there on that one than anything else I've mentioned. All three of those statements have said the same thing. What are they saying? I cannot be what I was meant to be without ingesting these chemicals. I, I can't be what God wants me to be without taking this substance. Now sure, coffee is not similar to cocaine in terms of its effects, but they stem from the same root. That is looking to chemicals to address a spiritual need. There are times where I've gone days and weeks without any coffee. One, just to make sure that it's not controlling me. Uh, I don't need it for its fix. I need it so that I don't hurt somebody. No, I mean, that's not why. I don't, I don't need it. I, I don't. The problem comes in the attempt to get... Listen, the problem happens when we try to get a physical, the physical world to fix the spiritual pain or the lack of emptiness. That's the problem. It would be like a guy whose, um, whose heart is broken by a girl. And so to, to try to cope with the broken heart, he takes a bunch of band-aids and he puts them across his chest. That's not going to help his broken heart. And neither will it be reaching for a substance whenever you're stressed, whenever you're lonely, whenever you're empty, looking for something physical to try to fix that which is spiritual. Or it's like someone who drinks a lot of milk because they really want to grow spiritually and so they're going to just down the milk. Well, that's not the answer. It's not milk, it's the milk of the Word and so taking something in hopes that it will fix something, but it's the wrong thing 
It's only going to maintain that stronghold in your life. See, a spiritual problem can only be addressed spiritually. A spiritual problem can only be addressed spiritually. Let's say that together. It's on the screen. A spiritual problem can only be addressed spiritually. Number two tonight, I want you to see God's viewpoint. You know this, our bodies are the temples of the living God. Anything that controls us makes us slaves to something other than God. In Romans chapter 6, verse number 12, if you want to turn over to there, and I want you to see a couple of passages we're going to turn to. It'll help us see God's viewpoint on this matter. In Romans chapter 6, in verse number 12 through 14, So also on the screen, look at verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For, here's the reason, Sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. And we've been going through that in the book of Galatians, meaning you are not liberated by the law, you're liberated by the power of God. So what he's telling us is that drink, that cigarette, that pill, that cup of coffee, that drug, whatever it is you may struggle with, it's not to be the master over you. Because of God's grace, because of God's grace, you've been made alive in Him. And that life now has the ability to dominate your responses. If you will align yourself with the truth of God's solution to your stronghold, you will find that God can put life into your responses when you feel like, I can't say no to these strongholds, no, but you'll find that the strongholds have to say no to God. So the key to overcoming chemical strongholds is knowing who you really are. Knowing who you really are. If you're saved, you're in Christ. Would you say that with me? Look at it on the screen. The key to overcoming chemical strongholds is knowing is in knowing who you really are in Christ. You see that? Number three tonight. God's solution. God's solution. Tad Walgreen died of a drug overdose in 1996 in the midst of a bitter custody battle for his two small children. His widow was Lorne, who died three years later of a drug overdose as well. Are you listening? Both were in their 30s and died while high on cheap stimulants in a very shady location. And yet these two, Tad and Lorne, were from the family of Charles Walgreen, the founder and owner of the giant Walgreens pharmacy chain. What happened? They allowed the temporary relief of a cheap fix to cause them to forget who their father was and what their father could do for them. 
Same holds true for every child of God suffering from a chemical stronghold. And remember, this applies to any other stronghold in your life. See, when believers in Christ lose sight of who their father is and that he holds in his hands all the power that you will ever need, you forget that you'll turn to a cheap substitute. That's why our babies have pacifiers. What are they? Very cheap substitutes. They don't entirely satisfy, but they will momentarily satisfy that child until the child can get the real thing. God's people are settling with a lot of pacifiers. When God Almighty's the real thing and has all power. Now I can hear what you're saying, Pastor, it's not as simple as that. You don't know how deep my problem is. My boss, my situation, my past, my regrets, they drive me to do what I do in order to cope. Friend, I do understand. I understand that your addiction is what drives you. But what I'm saying is that it's driving you in the wrong direction. Where it ought to drive you is found back in Ephesians chapter 5. Would you turn back to Ephesians chapter 5? Notice again verse 18, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. See, when life crashes in on you, don't turn to a substance because that will be dissipation. That will be a waste. Be filled instead with the person of God, the Spirit of God, and let Him satisfy your need. See, to be filled with something involves having more than a desire for it. It's an ongoing action. See, a lot of times people will say, you know, Canaan's just so different. It's just, it's just constantly moving and not, never seemingly stopping. Well, that's God. I mean, God doesn't stop. God's constantly at work and moving. And, 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 oh, but I know what people are sometimes thinking. Whatever happened just going to church and three days a week, mostly or two days a week, some are even just one service a week, and just let us, just, just let us do our own thing. That's why we're not getting victory over strongholds. Because we've thought a desire, I have a desire for God. But we thought that having a desire would be enough. But that's not what Paul's saying here. It's not just having a desire, it's an ongoing action. Listen, people who depend upon alcohol to get them through the day, what do they tend to have? They have a bottle at home. They have a bottle at work, may have a bottle in the car. They may even have a flask with them at all times. They may be walking around with something in their hand as well. They know that to sustain that feeling that alcohol brings, they have to keep putting more and more alcohol back into their body. Listen, that's the similar thing that happens when you drive your car. You know, as you drive your car, you're continually in the process of depleting your gas tank. And you don't have to do anything wrong to deplete your gas tank. 
It's just simply a result of using the gas you need to get where you want to go. However, if you wish to keep driving, you must go to the gas station to fill your tank back up. Blaming your car for not taking you where you need to go when you have not taken it where it needs to go for refueling is much like blaming the Holy Spirit for not giving you victory when you haven't done what He said to do in order to be filled up with Him. So the next two verses in verse 18 says, be filled up with God. The next two verses expound on how this filling, this, this uh, depletion does not occur and we can maintain a filling of the Spirit of God so that we don't have to look to the stronghold of substance. How does this filling remain in us? Notice verse 19. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, the Holy Spirit's presence, it involves worship. Worship is key. Worship God is key. Worshiping God is key. Worshiping God. You want to know how you can overcome your stronghold? Worship God. Amen. See, what many think is, I have my Bible study, and I'll go through this, and I'll, and I'll do this, and I'll, I'll, I'll have this desire, and, and I'll, I'll sing to God, and I'll show up to a service. In fact, you can go to service every day, and you have Bible study every day. It's not the same as worshiping God. If the only time you worship and experience God is on church services, you're going to run on empty throughout the rest of the week. That's why some people still can't figure out how to give to God what already belongs to God because you don't worship God through, throughout the week. You don't worship. If you worship, you would not be saying, now God, I would love to give you what belongs to you, but I, I, I'm, I'm much better at being a thief than I am being thankful. Why? Because you don't worship. That's a different stronghold. We will get to it, but I'm just saying this applies to all of them. Amen. See, worship, what is that? We said it this morning, it was on the screen, enjoying the presence of God. Worship is being in God's presence. Worship is being in God's presence. You're not going to have trouble with strongholds, and strongholds ain't going to have a problem with you when you're in the presence of God. Remember the three Hebrew children, they're cast into the midst of the fiery furnace? Sure you do. And remember what happened when they looked into that furnace? They saw not three that were thrown in. They saw the fourth as to the Son of God. They saw the men who were bound cast into that fire. And what happened? God showed up with them and God loosed them from the things that were binding them. Because in the presence of God, everything must yield. See, worship is being in God's presence, and it includes several things. What does worship include? Let me give you four things that are mentioned here by Paul. Number one, speaking his truth. See it in verse 19? Speaking to yourselves in Psalms. Speaking his truth. Number two, singing. See that? Speaking to yourselves in Psalms, and then 
hymns and spiritual songs. So in the presence of God, worship, that is worship, it includes, involves speaking His truth. Number two, singing truth. Number three, meditation of truth. You see that there? Making melody in your hearts. It is meditating upon truth. Speaking His truth, singing His truth, meditating upon His truth. And notice this one. In the presence of God, this is worship. Gratitude. Verse 20, always giving thanks. Always giving thanks. You know why people are always looking for greener grass? Because they're not thankful. Why are they not thankful? They're not in the presence of God. You say, I'm a preacher, so was Jonah. And it says he tried doing what? Fleeing from the presence of God. So be filled with the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? It means make worship a lifestyle. Stay in the presence of God. When the Holy Spirit's presence fills you, you will discover that even your cravings change. Yeah. Things that I used to not would ever think I would enjoy listening to or reading or, 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 or sitting down and studying. Those are the cravings I have. Why? Because in the presence of God, He doesn't just smash strongholds, but He gets involved into the cravings. This is because it is Christ, according to Philippians 2.13, it is Christ that both worketh in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. So you don't have to live as a slave to what you crave. The Holy Spirit will set you free to be all that you are created to be and to enjoy it. Get in the presence of God. That's why we pray, God, manifest your presence. That's why we call prayer meetings. Let's get into the presence of God. That's why we preach for getting all into the presence of God. That's why the Bible's most basic kindergarten fundamental foundational truth outside of salvation is what Jesus said to Saul when he got saved. And that is, here's what you do next. And here's the key to what Jesus said to the disciples. Deny yourself, deny yourself, deny yourself and do what? Follow Jesus. Get into the presence of God. Deny yourself, he said, and get into the presence of me. Follow Jesus. He didn't say, take a hike with me. He said, follow me. Stay with me. We read this in the book of Romans chapter 8. Turn over to Romans 8. Will you do that? Hold your place here in Ephesians 5. Let's go to Romans chapter number 8. Romans chapter 8, love this, starting out in verse number 1. Those who are saved, verse number 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. You see verse 2? There are two laws. There's the law of sin and death, number one. Number two, there's the law of the Spirit. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, 
He condemned sin in the flesh. Why? That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. See, what Paul is saying is that there's two laws. Whichever law you yield to, that's the law you benefit from. So the law pulls, the law of sin pulls you down into sin and death. Just as the law of gravity pulls you down to the ground. If you make a habit of jumping off of tall buildings, the law of gravity is going to win every single time. Every time. It doesn't matter if you like the law. It doesn't even matter if you believe in the reality of the law. Either way, it's going to pull you down to the ground every single time. The same is true with sin's hold on your life. It leads to death. It leads to separation from God. It leads to a deadness in your life. But through Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit has set you free from the power of sin. So let's go back to the example of jumping off of a tall building. If you are strapped into a hang glider and it's working right, you're not going to be pulled down. In fact, depending upon the air currents, you can soar two or three times higher than the height of the top of the building. It's not because the the law of gravity does not work. Rather, it's because of another law that counteracts the law of gravity. It's the law of aerodynamics. The Greek word used for spirit when speaking of the Holy Spirit is the word pneuma. In fact, in in a Bible college class, it would be the course on the Holy Spirit called pneumatology. Pneuma is spirit. It is also translated breath or wind. See, it's the Spirit's job to set you free from the law of sin by lifting you higher whenever Satan attempts to draw you down. The Spirit can make you soar because He is the almighty wind that carries you during these rough, tough times. But in order for Him to do so, you got to hang out with Him. You have to abide in His presence. You have to meditate on His Word. You have to speak His thoughts. You have to sing His songs. You have to show gratitude in faith for all that God has done and will do for you. Whenever I'm counseling, I've counseled people with a drug addiction. And honestly, it's not been too many because one of the, the, um, uh, the aspects of a drug addict is the, the deception that is there. And there have been many I have spoken to who are drug addicts, but who tend to lie. But whenever counseling people with a drug addiction, I try to help them with what is reality. Reality is what is altered by that controlled substance of whatever kind it may be. And so think with me here a moment. This is why you'll hear many of us pray and Brother Brian Foote and Rick Jensen and William Yawn pray for God to bring those who are broken and bruised and battered and, and, and messed up. Because a saved drug addict needs to be reminded that they're not drug addicts. They need to know that they're actually blood-bought 
children of the living God. And they've already been given victory over drugs. That's who they are. You say, which ones are you talking about? All who are saved. When they introduce themselves, they ought not be introducing themselves as, hi, my name's Billy, I'm a drug addict. What they ought to be saying is, hi, my name is so-and-so, and I'm a blood-bought child of the living God, and I've already been given victory over drugs. Not only that, but their primary form of breaking the addiction, it must be memorizing Scripture, meditating on Scripture, repeating Scripture, rehearsing Scripture, and sharing Scripture with others. It's simple. It's a simple solution, but it really, it really does work. Because there's power in the name of Jesus and there's power in the authority of his word. When Jesus said to Lazarus, Lazarus come forth, many a commentator has said if he didn't say Lazarus come forth, every dead soul in that graveyard would have come out because of the power and the authority in Jesus. I've been told that those who regularly work with drug addicts that the success rate for those who follow that concentrated routine that I just mentioned, memorizing scripture, meditating upon scripture, repeating scripture, rehearsing scripture, and sharing scripture, that the success rate for those who follow that concentrated routine for six months is higher than 75%, no matter how long they've been addicted to drugs. See, this happens because the act of taking drugs, that's not the problem. The drugs are simply a manifestation of a problem. The problem is ultimately in their mind. And when we allow God's thoughts, His Spirit, to be the dominating force in our lives, He changes everything. Heard about a pastor who was physically trapped in an elevator. Being trapped in something is uncomfortable, an uncomfortable feeling. Especially in a high rise with the elevator stuck between floors. The pastor said when this happened, there was an immediate reaction of those around in the, that elevator to panic. Some cried. Some yelled out for help. Some started banging on the door. The pastor said he stood there for a minute. He watched the reactions of others until the elevator phone caught his eye. When he saw it, he simply made his way to the other side of the elevator. He picked up the telephone and he waited. A voice on the other end said, is there a problem? He answered, yes, sir, we are trapped. Can we get some help? And the voice on the other end said, we'll be right there, sir, was the reply. It was as simple as that, the preacher said. When you feel trapped in an addiction or by a habit, it's easy to forget that God has put a lifeline in each of us. Amen. He's just waiting for you to pick up the phone and give him a call. Right. Yet because we forget about that, we sometimes go about those, like those who are panicking, trying to free ourselves. We may cry, we may scream, we may bang on doors, we may grunt and groan and try to force our bodies to overcome a stronghold that's rooted in the spiritual realm. But God tells us that instead of trying to do all of that on our own, 
pick up the phone. He's there. In fact, you don't even have to yell. He can hear you. A whisper will do. And once you connect with the Holy Spirit and you remain connected with Him, filled with Him, He will deliver you. You say, is it that simple? It's that simple. Is it that easy? I don't know how easy it is, but it's simple. The simplicity is in Jesus. But I do know this. He said his yoke is easy. His burden is light. You say, what if I do all of that and it doesn't work? I say, give it a try, then come talk to me afterwards. Let's stand together, please.